these years of singledom, of being on your own, being able to do what you want, when you want, how you want to do it, those years are, are the best years of your life and they're going to pass you by and all of a sudden you'll be married and have 12 kids and you'll be... Like, that to me is actually a very selfish way of viewing the single life. Mm. Like, actually, no, this is to be valued, not because it's fleeting, it's to be valued because this is where God has called you to be at this moment in your life. Uh, on that basis, it is to be valued. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Living Fullness. I'm Stina Constantine and joining me on the podcast is Father Sean Burns. Each week you'll hear us chat about a range of topics from virtue to relationships, comments on cultural shifts and lessons we're learning as we go along and we are so happy to have you join us. So sit back and enjoy being part of a conversation with a couple of friends. Hey Padre. Hello Stina, how are you going? Doing well, doing well. What have you been up to? I am just in like, you know, that end of year mode where you start to think, uh oh, next year's coming, I better start planning, that kind of stuff. Yeah, so I'm just kind of reevaluating what will life look like next year and putting down well not putting down plans actually actioning plans now is the phase that we're up to now yeah right okay yeah so life i feel like is in 50 million pieces because there's so many moving parts (laughs) sure what about you what's been happening in your world end of year marking and meetings oh yeah so just marking stuff from seminarians and getting grades in and Academic board meetings. Failing students. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's excellent. You heard it here, students. None of you failed. <laughs> none of you none of you have failed at this <laughs> Yeah. It's been been good. And the inevitable end of year parties. Of course. Yeah. Oh no, that's coming yeah, it's too. Coming. Oh no. <laughs> it's like do you remember that Game of Thrones advert? Winter is coming. <laughs> yeah. It's, the parties the are coming. parties <laughs> are coming. No. Okay. So it's happening. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. Yep. Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we have an episode today. We're going to be looking at the topic of singleness. And I actually don't remember doing this, which tells me that it was Holy Spirit <laughs> inspired. But it was like, we should do an episode on the single life. And uh, I don't quite constitute the single life. And uh, so, yeah, you've, you've got something together. and mm. Yeah. So if you don't yeah. enjoy this episode, blame Padre. It's, it's all my fault. fault. <laughs> yep. yep. Yeah. So I guess in terms of talking about the single life, I think it's important that we talk about it. I feel like the most appropriate way to approach it is to talk about it in seasons. I think there's so many different seasons that we go through and that there's no particular order to those seasons but that they kind of move, like you kind of move from one season to another to and back to another again. Yeah, there isn't like a, a step-by-step process as such. And so I guess one of those seasons is just that season of sitting in, you know, this ease and joy and everything's just light and, you know, things pretty, life is pretty easy. We are almost like on cruise control almost, except you're not because you have lots of choices and decisions and lots of freedom and lots of blessings coming your way and, you know, kind of in that space of, you know, whatever happens, happens and all is well and almost but not quite like a sense of blasé about things. Sure, sure. And so that that can be like one light kind of season. But then you can also enter this season of longing as well, a longing for whatever state of life you may wish to be in that Mm. you're not in at present. So, Mm. And along with that comes that sense of impatience as well. 
And there's nothing, I guess, in this, in that particular season, there's nothing wrong with having a desire, but there is something wrong in being completely consumed by that desire. So there's a difference between longing for something that's good and allowing that to kind of turn us into a place of, you know, despair and and things like that. So I'm thinking in particular, like I've spoken to, I've witnessed many, many people who've entered into a space, particularly women who've entered into a space where they've become miserable because they're not in the state that they thought they might be in at this particular, you know, age or stage in their life or, you know, in their careers or, or whatever it might be, that there's a particular space that they're longing for, that they're not there and then turning into this misery that comes from that. And I guess this is where I would say that, you know, that's this whole concept of relationship rumination isn't just for people who are in a romantic relationship. Mm. So it's not just for people who enter into a relationship and then jump on the emoticoaster and let the emotions fly left, right and centre, imagining things left, right and centre. It's not just for that. It's also for single people who may be wishing upon and spending too much mental energy dreaming on a future that isn't actually anchored in the present. I think it comes back to the anchor of that question, you know, who is the author of our lives and whether we actually genuinely believe that God is the author of our lives or whether that's more of like a lip service or something we're trying to convince ourselves in sitting in that space. Because it's okay in this season of longing It's okay for that season to be hard, but even in that hard, we should still be able to live like we know that God can do all things and that he will fulfill all our greatest desires and that he will do that in ways that we thought were never possible. And I guess from here, from someone who's in my position where, you know, I would hope one day there's marriage in my future, family in my future, for people who are in a situation like that, it's easy for us in this space if we're in a season of longing and we lose that anchor, it's easy for us to then turn this idea and this hope and dream of marriage and family into our idol, which then leads to two problems. The first is that we then begin to worship something that isn't God and then we lose focus on who's actually most important to us. But then as a result, second, we begin to look for something or someone to satisfy us that isn't God, which is also impossible. (laughs) It's a completely impossible ask of anything or anyone. So then along the way, vocationally, we lose focus on what's most important and the vocation that we've all been called to, which reminds me of Therese Lazure, because she would say that my my vocation is love, which is true regardless of what state of life that we're in yeah this is so true and at a certain point i think it's the reality that you're enumerating here i think there needs to be an acceptance of an acceptance of the situation of singleness that one finds themselves in now as i say that i already hear the battalions of women out there going well that's easy for you to say captain (laughs) celibacy right i can hear it so yes i hear that cry and look i get it Mm. i get it you know it's hard to accept the circumstances that we hope will cease. Mm-hmm. That's hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yep. it's on, that whole, what's that Jacques Philippe? Choosing the choice you otherwise would not have chosen. Yeah. Yes. It sounds beautiful, but there are days where it sucks. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely. You know, yeah. it's uh, definitely, it's so important that we go, okay, you know, I have to actually accept my circumstances. And it's actually Jacques Philippe in that book. He actually says one of the most important aspects of spiritual life is just going, you know what, these are my circumstances. Mm-hmm. I have to accept this. Mm-hmm. For the time that it exists, I have to accept it. I can do everything that I feasibly can to try and change those circumstances. Beyond that, I have to accept where I am and accept that this is where God wants me to love him. Yeah. And that makes it a valuable period of time. So accept it hard, yes. But acceptance brings peace. Mm. And that doesn't mean that the desire to be married goes away. It doesn't. It sticks around. But when we accept our circumstances and we accept that this is where God is calling us to be at this particular time, the desire that we have is not all-consuming. Because what our focus is on, or as you used the word before, what our anchor is, is God himself who has called us into this particular moment. So I guess as a bit of a practicality there, be aware of shortcuts, Mm. right? We can fall into the trap of thinking that this period of singledom is to be treasured on the basis that at some point it's going to be over. Mm. You know, so these years of singledom, of being on your own, being able to do what you want, when you want, how you want to do it, those years are, are the best years of your life and they're going to pass you by and all of a sudden you'll be married and have 12 kids and you'll be... Like that to me is actually a very selfish way of viewing the single life. Mm. Like actually, no, this is to be valued, not because it's fleeting, it's to be valued because this is where God has called you to be at this moment in your life. Uh, on that basis, it is to be valued. So it's, you know, forgive me for using the phrase, it's so cliched, but carpe diem, right? Mm-hmm, you know, seize mm-hmm. the day. Don't let the day pass you by. See in each day the challenge and the call from God to love him, to grow in holiness. I mean, that's what it's about. The single life can actually be dedicated to that reality. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Part of this season of moving into acceptance is also being realistic. Mm-hmm. So seeing the season for what it is. And like, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that there aren't people whose dreams are still you know, unfulfilled. <laughs> it just wouldn't be. Mm. It's a real ache to not be where you thought God was leading you. Like let's just not pretend otherwise. And I know of women who've met their spouses late in life mm. and in their single years they've actually had to grieve that their lives won't have that large family that they once thought mm. would happen. And that grieving that they had to do was necessary in order for them to be real about their situation, to then be humbled by it and then be transformed Mm -hmm. by God's love, which then prepared them for their marriage. Like that was part and parcel of it. It didn't mean that, you know, these particular women then ended up with a large family because we're not talking fairy tales here. That's not what this life is about. But it does mean like for those women, they had a much bigger and fuller heart because of that transformation that God right. was able to do in their life, because they were open to God doing that yeah. work yeah. in them. Yeah. And they were able to have much bigger dreams than they thought was ever possible yeah. precisely because of that. So it's not that, you know, sometimes we can think that, oh, so what, I have this dream and God just comes along and snuffs it out and then gives me something else and I'm just going to have to learn to be content with it. No, no, he actually knows what's deep in our hearts. He's going to create spaces and dreams for us. He's going to allow us to dream those dreams that are so much deeper than we can see in this particular season. I think that's then also, this does 
sort of hit upon something else in regards to marriage, which might just be worthwhile bringing out, which is to that I could hear a younger lady or a younger man saying, well, what else is life about? Right? I mean, isn't that the ultimate? The ultimate dream is to have a bunch of kids. <laughs> That's what marriage is for, right? I think it's actually important to go, well, some people called to marry at a younger age, some at an older age, some just aren't called to the married state. Some just, it just doesn't happen for them. They live the single life, the life of striving to be holiness on their own with God, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So not on their own in no. the sense of isolated, but mm. they live that completely and totally with God. Mm, so mm. sometimes that's simply the case. And God allows that period of time of singleness to be a great time of purification, of growing in love with him, of seeing who you could possibly be in his eyes and seeing the good that you'd be capable of doing as well. I mean, that's incredible stuff. So look, I'm all for marriage and families and all of that. I love it. I love it. But also I think we need to, as you say, have that realism to say, well, it doesn't, life isn't neat. Yeah. Life isn't neat. And God will take this person and that person and set them on two completely different paths. And through those paths, they will have a particular mission that he wants them to, to fill out. This person over here has 10 kids because they married young, good on them. This person's going to marry quite later in life. They're not going to have as many children. But what they are going to do is raise a family that is credible. Yeah. And saintly. I'm sure the other lady will too. Yeah, exactly. But, but there'll my, be plenty of fruitfulness yes, in both yes. of those marriages. They'll just exactly. look different. They will look different. That's right. That's, all. That's right. Exactly. So this reality that we're talking about then has to be coupled with the virtue of hope, the truth of who God is and who we are to him. And I guess acceptance is kind of born of this reality that our present circumstances, we're not prey to them. Mm. You know, because we are, as a good word, anchor, right? Mm -hmm. We're anchored in Christ. Our hope is anchored in him. It's why one of the earliest Christian symbols is an anchor. Yeah. You mm -hmm. know, it's very fitting, right? So, yeah, this the virtue of hope is really important, that God is the author of my life. I want his will in my life. And he knows that there are paths and ways that I could not even fathom. And I know that he knows what they are. I know that he's got me. I know that he loves me. On that basis, I accept this present moment. I accept reality as it is because I know that God is good and I know that he's got plans for me, whatever they may be. Yeah. Mm. So a few practical things then. One of them, I guess, is just like shifting our focus. So one of them is shifting our focus to growth. And one of the quotes that I heard very early on in ministry was write down all the things that you want to see in your spouse and then become that person that you've written down. And I remember like hearing that advice and being like, that's a great piece of advice. That's really like wholesome. And, you know, I should be exactly who I expect someone else to be and all of that stuff. And look, I think there is still a lot to be said for that. Providing I think that the number one thing that is on that list is being a beloved child of God. Because I think if we miss that, <laughs> that whole list gets a bit scary. Yeah. Because if we have anything that's related, like as a number one, if we have anything that's related to, well, they need to be the best spouse or they need to be the best parent and, and also for ourselves, then I think we're going to fall into that 
first thing that I said a little while ago is that we're going to fall into idol worshipping marriage or family life or the spouse and then we actually use that list of trying to become this person that this other person will idolise, which is not what we want. (laughs) No, not at all. In fact, it's a bit of a warning in some ways. We often think that, do you remember that that old phrase, the devil can quote scripture? Mm. Yeah. Well, in some sense, the devil is quite happy to convict people of a level of virtue. By that I mean... He's happy to go, look at you, aren't you good? Look at all the good things you're doing there. You're being good here and you're not falling into any sexual sin over there and and you're doing really good over here, aren't you? I mean, you've got a tidy room and you're doing that's Oh, you're doing very well there, aren't you? You know, and it's like, yeah, I am doing very well. I'm I'm exceptional. Uh, (laughs) And before we know it, what we've actually fallen into is the very serious vice of pride. Mm. And it's not too long far past the road of pride that all those other things eventually yeah, start to creep back yeah. in anyway. So it's just a good way of, of going, look, those lists, be careful of them because they can become a point of points of pride, right? That's sort of, oh, yes, look what I'm doing here. I'm becoming this person. Well, God just wants you to be you. Yeah, He wants you to be you. And, yes, he wants you to eliminate those sins, failings, pitfalls oh, from yeah, your life. Of course, Absolutely, of course. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's going to be with you in that and you're going to be fundamentally aware that it's God's grace that's saved you. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. and look, this is where relationship rumination comes back in again. Like if we're so focused on this is what my future married life or family life is going to look like, so these are the things I must be in order for me to have that particular spouse yeah. that we will be exactly this and, you know, getting caught up in all of that so that we, we then start to almost try to refashion who we are. What you're saying, that that's not, that's not the point. We've already been created. Right, right, <laughs> like right. we are who we are. Our only job is to just build and grow and blossom with right. God. We would like with by his grace, we will grow and blossom. That's all we have to do. We yep. don't have to recreate. Yep. <laughs> already been created. So providing that beloved child of God is number one on that list, not a bad way to go. Awesome. Building community and work on relationships is also a, a quite an important one. One of the things that I'm constantly harping on about, probably because I'm, I teach ecclesiology all about the church, when people say to me that they're experiencing some difficulty, maybe they're isolated, maybe they're going through a period of sadness, or maybe they have some sin that sort of just keeps coming back to them, or whatever the case may be, one of the things I say to them is you can't deal with this on your own. You cannot deal with this on your own. You've got to have a community around you community in which you're invested and that community is the church and it's the same thing in the single season right it's uh we're to be invested in relationships because we can't get by in this world on our own it's good to be detached from things when we talk about detachment it's very good to be detached from things it's not so good to sort of breed a detachment from people in the sense of isolating oneself from others or just going from friendship to friendship or relationship to relationship without actually building anything significant right you know like in the single life one of the most beautiful things that can be done is building up a community and investing in a community that's around you i would particularly recommend the church community to you and uh, the people around us that we invest in that we you know forge relationships with these are the people that god wants to use to speak into our lives you know these are the people who will challenge us help us to grow during that single season because you don't grow on your own 
grow in relationship. And uh, so entering into deep relationships, relying on others, including looking for others to guide us in various aspects of our lives uh, can be help to keep us humble for a start. You know, often friends will be like, mm. do you think so? Mm. Do you think so? <laughs> like you are very good at that for me. <laughs> you are very good at that for me. And also it teaches cooperation. Not just cooperation in the sense of, you know, some synthetic or secular notion of humanistic cooperation, but I mean, it actually teaches us to cooperate as a church, to see that this body that we're a part of has many organs and they all work together for the good of each other. So, yeah. Mm. I guess it's also helpful then to be mindful that we're actually looking for complementarity, not the same. <laughs> mm. It's really easy particularly with things like the lists and so on, it's really easy to look at that and say, well, I'm looking for someone, you know, I'm looking for someone really smart. I'm looking for someone strong and independent. So I need to be all those things and I need to be all those things in like an equal and same manner Mm. without actually taking into consideration other qualities that are essential to be a good partner, which are things like adaptability, flexibility, and patience, which doesn't mean that we then forego intelligence, strength, and confidence, but that we actually couple it. Mm. Because you can have two really smart, strong, and independent people, but they can clash. Mm. (laughs) Particularly if they're set in their ways and they're really rigid, that can be really hard, if not impossible, to work with. So it's worth then considering, well, how can I bring these gifts that I've cultivated to meet others' gifts? Like we need, you know, the way that I've been thinking about it is that we need a vase and flowers to be able to adorn an altar. It's no good just having an empty vase. And flowers without a vase are just going to droop, particularly in the Australian heat, very quickly. (laughs) So we kind of need both. So it's worth thinking, well, how can my strength marry the strength of another? What kind of strength do I bring to the table? And this isn't just about looking for, well, you know, I need to have some weaknesses then in order so that somebody else can kind of come in. Well, I need to kind of tone some things down. It's not not about that at all. This is about being humble and knowing that none of us are perfect. None of us are going to be perfect. Like we're not going to have perfect relationships. It's just not possible. I also, I can't help but have this image of my mind. In my mind. I had this image in my mind of a girl from some typical romantic comedy. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't seen a rom-com in a while. I don't know mean what's happening. Mean Girls or something. <laughs> I don't know. Like, is love actually a rom-com? That's a rom-com. It is a rom-com. Yeah. It is a rom-com. But, you know, some girl from a rom-com who's, you know, who's a supporting character. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Who thinks that she's perfect. Yes. Right? Yes. You know, and it sort of flicks the hair and, and is yep, very yep, yep. I'm so perfect, you know, I'm just so perfect. I can't do anything wrong. I'm going to have to like tone things down. No, believe me, you're not going to, you may have to tone some things down, but they're not what you think, All right? So if we start thinking in the in terms of, oh, wow, I'm going to have to tone some of these strengths down, you got, no, yeah, it's, you, no. you, something's gone amiss there, guys. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So none of us are perfect at the end yeah. of the day and none of us will be on this earth. Yeah. But we are designed to match. We are designed to work together. This doesn't have to be guesswork either. It doesn't have to be like, okay, well, I won't know what any of this is until I'm in a a solid long-term relationship. I just won't know. There will be some things that you won't know until you're in that. 
place. But there are other things that doesn't have to be guesswork. These can, some of these things can actually be exercised with the people that you live with, with the people that you work with. Just take note of the strengths that you have and the strengths of the people around you and how you can all kind of bring the flowers, the water and the vase together to adorn the altar to glorify God. Yeah, that's actually very beautiful. Come back to your altar image. I like it. I'm sorry I interrupted it. That's okay. Yeah. You do that. (laughs) (laughs) Helps me grow in patience. (laughs) See, I'm I'm just being saintly. (laughs) Also, if you're considering consecrated life of singleness or if you're curious or even just sort of want a, a wholesome faithful words of hope and joy in your single years go and read single for a greater purpose a hidden joy in the catholic church by luan de zorlo and uh luan i've not read the book myself <laughs> i've not what are you doing recommending it <laughs> because it doesn't necessarily speak to my situation in life but I know Steen has read the book. I have read the book. And yeah. if she recommends a book, then <laughs> I very happily recommend a book. Yeah, it's so. worth it. And it's fairly new too. Like it's only been in recent times. So it actually talks a bit about what's happening in the church, the trends that are happening in the church, what's adding to that, what's making it hard, yep. particularly when we have a, a group of women who feel like they should have been married at this point and really felt that's where it was going to be and, and yet, there was no spouse in sight. So yeah. what what happens with those women? So there's lots lots of stories in there. Sure. Yeah, just lots of lots of hope in there. Okay. All right. So I guess that's the end of that episode <laughs> on a life of singleness or a season of singleness, rather. A truth, beauty, and goodness. Before we close the episode, Patrick. Yes, I've been seeing a a real return to the sacrament of confession. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, lots of people coming in to, to have their confessions heard and, and people who've been away for a long time, like someone tapping on the shoulder the other day and said, oh, Father, there's someone over there who was just saying they're having a confession for, you know, X number of years. Would you be able to go over? Oh, of course. You know, it's really beautiful. Cool. So, yeah, yeah, there's a real return to Christ. It's beautiful to see. Mm. Yeah. A real privilege to bear witness to. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I bet. I How bet. about yourself? Uh, for me, it's another book recommendation. <laughs> This one is called What Jesus Saw from the Cross. It's by A.G. Sertillonge. I don't know how to pronounce his surname in French. Sertillonge. Yeah, there you go. I don't know how to pronounce his name in French either. Sure. Well, they're close (laughs) enough. Close enough. It'll be in the description box so you don't have to spell it. But it was a book that I just kind of picked up whilst I was buying a whole stack of them from overseas. Uh, So I thought I'll add that to the cart. And I thought it was going to be like a really – heavy, meditative, reflective kind of a book. And then I started reading it and went, oh, no, it's not as heavy as I thought it was going to be. But he paints beautiful pictures, like with words, he really paints beautiful pictures, lots of descriptions. And then I got about chapter four or so in and bam, there comes the really deep reflections and meditations. And I was like, whoa, (laughs) okay, here it is. So really, like it was like going on a pilgrimage mm. with this book. Really, really beautiful read. Highly, highly recommend. Probably a book you'll need to read in snippets mm-hmm. rather than do it in one hit. Sure. sure. But yeah, do Excellent. recommend. Excellent. Thank you. 
Well, thanks for joining us for another episode of Living Fullness. Would you believe we are about to hit Advent? So starting next week, we will have an Advent series for you. But we will catch you again next week. And until then, give our love and prayers. God bless.